Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. We're on part 11 of the power of Pentecost. I don't have time to go back and refer to all the scriptures in the book of Acts and what that means other than just simply to kind of review a couple things with you real quick. The moment you got born again, you became God's. God had a purpose for your life to be more than just born again. He does not want you just to receive salvation, to hang out, to make it to heaven. God wants you to be his agent here on the earth an agent of liberty, an agent of freedom. He liberated you. He freed you from the powers of darkness. He took you out of, the Bible says, the very works of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his love. Guess what he wants you to do? Go liberate others. You and I are an army. As an army, we've been given weapons. God expects us to use them. One of the things that we're going to get into further here in the next coming weeks is the gifts of the Spirit. We began to talk about that a little bit Wednesday night. The gifts of the Spirit, the nine manifestation gifts, are part of this promise of the Father. Because by you and I learning to yield our life to the Holy Spirit and become baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues that that's happened, we now know how to yield to this one who empowers us to do what God called us to do to liberate others. Well, I still need freedom. Go free others. As you give, it shall be given unto you. You go do what God called you to do, God will take care of you. But one of the keys for this to understand why we're here is to know this is the promise of the Father. What was the promise? That we would receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be what? Witnesses. This is the call of every born-again believer, which, by the way, we will give an account of to our Lord Jesus Christ if we honored that or not. So realize it's the greatest way to live life because guess what? Your focus is no longer on you. Your focus is on the Father and helping to do His work. Amen? Living like Jesus lived. So we've learned already in this context of this, of this series that you and I receive this power by not just getting born again, but by yielding to the Holy Spirit in an initial experience of what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Seen all through the book of Acts. Anybody who is not baptized in the Holy Spirit is not baptized in the Holy Spirit for one or two reasons. One, ignorance. They don't know. They don't know that it's something available. They don't know. Even in the book of Acts, you see people that were born again that weren't told about this gift of the Father, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know, you certainly can't receive something you don't know about. Can't receive something you don't know is available. So either you're ignorant or if you know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you haven't received it, that tells me you're choosing to live for you instead of live for God. Because you don't want to receive what God has. You don't want to receive what God provided. You want to continue to live in your own little Christian bubble of living life the way you desire. Thank you for all your amends about that. But the reality is that's the truth because the only reason we would not want to fulfill the will of the Father is because we're simply choosing instead to do our own thing. What's the will of the Father? Receive the promise from Him and to go reveal Him to the world the way Jesus did. We are now all little anointed ones. We are the body of Christ. Well, if you're the body of Christ, guess what you're supposed to be doing? What Jesus did. You're supposed to be going and revealing the Father to the world. So in the midst of this power that we receive, which comes by, from, by the way from the Holy Spirit, he also brings nine gifts with him. And these gifts he wants to help us to use in our life as believers, again, to do what? Liberate others. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now you know the, notice the phrase gifts is italicized. Although it could be referred to in the latter verses of verse 7, it can be referred to there. But in essence, if you look at verse 1 in the Greek language, it says this. I don't want you ignorant about spiritual things. Are you born again? Say yes. yes. If you know for sure you are, say yes. yes. Lift your hand and reveal that you are born again to me, that I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Guess what God's telling you, child of God? I don't want you ignorant concerning spiritual things. Because you're a spirit. If you're ignorant about spiritual things, you, won't, you not only won't fulfill my purpose in your, in your life, you'll be taken advantage of as well. 
So many Christians don't realize the reason they're having such a hard time through life is because, again, they're still focused on living their daily life for themselves instead of for the Father. And that's when life truly gets exciting to live. If you go from here from verse 1, telling us not to be ignorant about spiritual things. We read all these verses Wednesday, so I'm just trying to get through this. Verse 7, he talks about this in relationship to this power that comes from the Holy Spirit in manifestation gifts. Look at verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Tell me out loud, please. Each one for the profit of all. There's three words you should have underlined in that verse. Manifestation. Actually, two words here, each one in that setting, and then profit of all. Those are the three things you should have underlined in that verse. Notice what it says again. The manifestation. What is the manifestation of the Spirit? Evidence that these gifts are functioning in my life. If you're a born-again child of God, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and these gifts don't function in your life, you're not doing what God wants you to do. You don't manifest them. Holy Spirit does as He wills. But if you stay available to Him to be used by God and you're out doing what God called you to do, He's going to manifest these gifts. He's going to use these gifts to help you free other people. So this manifestation, evidence of these gifts of the Spirit is given to who? Tell me again. So what is He telling us that these gifts are given to each one? Say, I got them. If you're born again, you got them. Well, guess what these gifts are? They're weapons. Say weapons. See, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, again, as I said Wednesday night, most people just think of, oh, I got this wonderful little gift to enjoy. But that's not the phrase. Gift means I've, en- I've, I've endowed you. I've empowered you. I've given you something you didn't have. But it's not a gift in the sense it's just for you. What are the gifts of the Spirit? They're weapons. Because when those gifts manifest, what do they do? They overcome darkness. They drive away the forces of darkness. As we talked about Wednesday night, we're in a battle, right? And so realize God gave you weapons for the purpose of doing what? Freeing others, liberating others who are bound. For us to be a mighty army of God, to not take serious our assignment in the earth, to want to go free other people that are bound, you are so self-centered and so self-focused if that's how you're living your life that you don't care enough about others to want to free them. You want to know why you're still sitting in a free nation? Because you had people you've never seen in your life. You've never talked to. You never even knew them. Who were willing to lay down their life for you. They were willing to take up weapons given them to fight for our freedom so you could still live in a free nation. Why would we want other people bound by an oppressor called Satan to remain bound when you and I have the weapons to free them? Any better amens than that? So this is why we need to be what? Yielded or baptized in the Holy Spirit so we can learn how to utilize these weapons as He desires to use them. So this manifestation of the Spirit is given to what again? So God gave us us weapons. Say, God gave me weapons. Well, guess what you're going to do when you're going to get to heaven? You're going to say, what would you do with my weapons? Did you yield to the Holy Spirit to let me use you to actually accomplish what I needed to do through you? Why would you not have done that? You were so wrapped up in your own life, you didn't see other people around you dying and going to hell that needed deliverance and needed healing, needed freedom. I liberated you. You couldn't go liberate them. So again, these manifestation gifts are given to what? Each one for the profit of who? So not only when you free them are you going to help them, guess who else you're going to help? You're going to help yourself because you're going to learn how to walk in the power of God. You're going to learn how to walk under the influence influence of the Holy Spirit. Drop down a little further, please, to verse 11. One and the same Spirit works all these things, these gifts. Because now in verses 8, I don't have time today because we're not going to study them. In verses 8 all the way down to verse 10 are these nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. These weapons, say weapons. Verse 8, 9, and 10 is a, are weapon verses. This is arsenal. This is arsenal given to you. Verse 11, why? Notice, one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing, underline, to each one. Who gets these? Everybody does. How? Individually as He wills. He determines what you use. You just simply use what He gave you. I said He determines what you get to use. You just use what He gave you. Beginning in verse 12, you begin to see all these verses about unity in the body. 
that the body is one. You got all these individual members of the body, but all those individual members of the body do what? They make up one body. Meaning what? God needs every believer on post doing what they're called to do with these weapons. Imagine if the body... I know it won't happen before the rapture because there's too many verses that reveal it's true. But imagine if all of Christ's body got submitted to the Holy Spirit, yielded to God, using these weapons. Any idea how different your world would be today if Christians were walking in this earth with their weapons, letting God use them? But your world around you could be that way. God can use you just because everybody's not doing it. So in verses 12 all the way down to verse 26, he talks here, 27 actually, he talks here about unity in the body. There's two things, say two things. two things. There's two things foundational for the power of God, anointing, manifest presence, and the gifts of the Spirit to operate. The power of God will work in your life. The anointing of God will work in your life to remove burdens and destroy yokes. The gifts of the Spirit will work through your life. To help others. There's two things required for this to work in your life. If they're not working, let me help you. One of two things is true. Unless you don't know about them, that would be a third thing. But it takes two things for these to operate. Ready? One. Number one, unity. 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 You have to get unified. Look at all these verses. 12 all the way down to verse 28 talks about this unit. 27, excuse me. 27 all talks about this unity in the body. We have to get unified. Number two, we got to do what? Walk in love. So all of this power of God, all of these weapons of God that he's given us function based on two things, unity and love. I'll add a third thing because he does talk about it and that's he can't be like we talked about verse one, can't be ignorant. Can't be ignorant. You got to know about them. You got to know about these weapons. Obviously, we're not talking though in that context of what our focus is. If I know about them, why would I not be operating in them? I'll tell you why. Because you're either not walking in unity or you're not walking in love. So notice verse 31. Watch this. In verse 31, he says, earnestly desire. This is, he just teaches you right here how to walk in unity, how to walk in love. Ready? Yeah. Earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet, I show, I, and yet I show you a more excellent way, which then he goes into talking about love. So how do we walk in unity, pastor? I'll tell you how. One, verse 31, you have to earnestly desire these gifts. You have to earnestly desire for, to be used by God to be able to help set people free. Use the weapons God gave you. Earnestly desire. Not just desire, earnestly desire. One phrase actually refers to coveting, which it's okay to covet the things of God. It's not okay to covet the things of man. Meaning, I want that. I want that in my life. Because if you want the gifts operating in your life, it's not for you. It's so you can free others. You're not going to walk in unity with the body. Listen to me. You're not going to walk in unity with the body without an earnest desire for the gifts of the Spirit to be functioning in your life. If you don't ever have that desire, you'll never walk in unity with the body. Now, let me show you the downfall to that in your life. Back up to chapter, uh, verse. uh, let me see, verse uh, 12 of chapter 12, when he started talking talking about unity. As the body is one, say one. As the body is one and has many members... Many different members that do different functions. Talking even about the gifts of the Spirit. But all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is what? Now why does he use the word Christ? Why Why not the word Jesus? Why not the word Jesus? Jesus is the head. So why is he saying if you walk in unity as a body, it's like walking in Christ instead of saying walking in Jesus? Because the word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. What's that mean? Power, manifest presence of God, glory, gifts of the Spirit, manifestation of the Spirit. So how do we get to this manifest presence in a body? Unity. If you could get a local church body to walk in this unity, you'll see an increase of power in that church. Thus saith the Bible. Because even though we have all these members, they still are one body. And if they truly walk as one body, guess what? They will also walk as Christ walked on the earth. The anointed one. They'll be, they'll be empowered. They'll be doing just like Jesus did. Any good amens on that? So again, verse 31 tells you how we walk in unity. How do we walk in unity? Number one, we got to earnestly desire the gifts. That's got to be the focus. 
If we got people in our church today that don't earnestly desire these gifts, that anointing will never come on them. Sadly, that anointing will never work in their life. Thus saith the Bible, because they're not in unity with God's plan. They're not in unity with the body. This whole unity thing here talked about in these verses is talking about the very gifts of God, the power of God functioning in our life to free people. If you don't desire to do that, if you're here all sad and upset and depressed about your life and everything else, instead of focusing on what God put you here as an assignment, you're letting the devil mess with your head, man. Why are you going to sad depression? Well, I got this going on, that going on. Well, let me help you. Get busy about becoming a soldier of Jesus Christ. Get busy about rising up in the purpose of God while you're here on this earth and put him on the run. Amen. Are you listening to me? Jesus didn't live a depressed life. You don't have to. Come on. Jesus didn't live a fear-filled life. You don't have to. Think about COVID. Every decision you make based on fear, guess who's leading you? It ain't God. God don't lead by fear. How many people made decisions during COVID because they were afraid? I posted it multiple times during that time frame. I said, if you're doing this, the Bible's clear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. How does God lead you? By your spirit. If you're being led by fear, it ain't your spirit leading you. It's a spirit, but it ain't yours, and it ain't God's. It's the devil doing so. Why are Christians should be the happiest people on the planet? Right now, everybody in my church should be the happiest people on the planet because of what God called you to, what he gifted you with, what he gave you as a child of God. Well, I'm tired. Deal with your flesh and tell your flesh to shut up. I understand we go through challenges in life. I get it, man. I get it. But you know what? If you focus on God, how many know that supernatural ability to help you overcome the flesh? Amen. I think we need to get more unified with God and with his purpose. So how do we become unified? Verse 31, earnestly desire the best gifts. In other words, just earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be used by God and you're on your way to walking in unity. And then number two, how do we walk in unity? I'm going to show you, he said, a more excellent way. So how do we walk in unity? Two ways. One, we've got to be focused on, according to the Bible, earnestly desiring these gifts of the Spirit. So you're not focused on you, you're focused on freeing people. And number two, we've got to do what? We've got to focus on walking in love. Now what I'm going to teach you today is I'm going to start. I'm going to start talking about love. I'm going to start talking about the significance of that in relationship to your walk on this planet. It will not only help you walk in the power and the anointing of God, it will certainly overflow and help you in every other realm of your life. It'll help your relationships. It'll help your marriage. It'll help everything about what you do. But you can't operate in the power of God and the gifts of God and the things of God without walking in love. There's multiple reasons why that's true. Multiple reasons. Okay, I've told you this many times, Galatians 5, 6, faith works through love. Well, it takes faith to operate in the gifts. If you don't believe anything I've read so far, you won't operate in them. Well, no, I believe that. Then never, don't worry about it. You're never going to walk in the power of God. You're never going to walk in the anointing of God because you don't believe what he said. It takes faith. So it takes faith. Faith to believe in what Jesus said in John 14, 12. Come on. If you believe in me, promise of the Father, the works I do. You'll do also. Pretty cool promise. Pretty cool promise. I really wished I could take every Christian so caught up in their life in their own world and just shake the snot out of them to get their eyeballs to pop out of their sockets and get their focus off of them get them focused on God. Get them excited about living life every day for Jesus and know, man, I got a God-given purpose of why I'm here today and why I'm breathing today. And the devil's in trouble because as I go out the door today, I already know who I am. I already know why I'm here. I already know what I'm going to do. And bless God, if I find him anywhere in anybody's life, I'm going after him. It's more blessed to give than receive, folks. It's a whole lot more blessed to go help free people than it is for you to receive liberty. Huh? Yeah. Because as you give, it shall be given unto you. And you're not focused on you then. You're focused on helping other people. How many many in this room, if I could get anything else across you today, how many in this room believe that we truly should live the life Jesus lived? Anybody believe that, that we should live his example? All right, watch this. You ready for this one? Please write it down so you never forget it. Because some of you seem to forget it. You ready? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for God. How many of you are still serving yourself? See, I didn't come to be served. Like Jesus, he said it. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to serve. I came to serve. I came to serve. I came to give my life. Give my life. Give my life. Give my life. What are you doing? 
See, his life, there, there's, there's givers and there's takers. Some people in life, it's all about getting, I want, I need, I got to have, oh my God, oh my God. And there's those who say, you know what? I want to go and give everything I can of myself to God's call and help other people. Amen. And those are the people that learn to live like Jesus and live a blessed life. Amen. 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 I'm not, say it. I am not here to be served. I'm here to serve. Serve who? God. Do what he called you to do. Go set the captives free. The Great Commission was not for 12 apostles only. It was for the whole body of Christ. And when people learn this, the reason that he needs us all is because, guess what? There's a lot of demons in the world. There's a lot of people bound in the world. If all we're going to do is rely on ministers to go do that work, guess what? We're going to wait for the return of Jesus for a long time. Are you still here tonight? So, earnestly desire the best gifts to walk in unity. Earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And also do what? Learn to walk in love. I will show you a more excellent way. 13.1, he tells you this excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So what Paul was saying is, I have the ability to be able to be used by God and have been used by God with tongues and interpretation. We had a word here Wednesday night from God. God gave me a tongue. God gave me interpretation. Sure wish you would record it. God's not told me to record that and just provide that for everybody on the internet. I'm sorry if you missed it. You could ask somebody else, but that's not what he told me to do. But thank God for when he speaks to us. But this is what Paul's saying. I have the ability to speak a tongue and therefore do what? Interpret it, talking about heavenly language of angels in relationship to stuff that comes from heaven. But if I have not love. I becoming sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, what he's saying there is he's saying if you truly say that you have a word from God, but your motive is not love, I got a word for you. It ain't from God. It ain't from God. You're just making noise. Exactly right. A lot of people say, well, yeah, you could speak what God has to say, but if you don't say it in love, it's like coming sounding forth as as a clanging cymbal or brass. That's not what this refers to. Paul says, I have that ability, but if I don't walk in love, guess what? I won't be speaking on behalf of God. It won't be God speaking through me. And a lot of people are that way. A lot of people say, God said, God said, God said. But their motive isn't love. It's about them wanting to look good to other people. Verse 2. Because love is always thinking about the other person. Uh, Though I have the gift of prophecy, so even without tongues and interpretation, he could directly prophesy. Words of exhortation, edification, and comfort. Even though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have what? Tell me out loud. Though I have what? Y'all reading the Bible with me, aren't you? Verse 2, and though I have all faith, so I could do what? Paul's saying, I have a faith in my God to move mountains, but if I don't have love, guess what? I'm nothing. What does that mean? It's not possible. Because faith works through. So obviously, even though I would have the faith, the belief in God to do it, it won't work without what? Without love. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned. In other words, all the context of the challenges he went through, being beaten with rods and, and you know, stoned at one point and talking about even relationship to, uh, you know, uh, uh, whip with cat and nine, to all that stuff. Notice this, if, even doing all that. But if I have not love, guess what? It profits me nothing. Because guess what's happening here? If the love of God is not manifest in my life, guess what is not manifesting? The power of God. So I'm wasting all my time doing these things because God, can I just, can I summarize verse 1, 2, and 3 with you? Without love, the power of God's not evident, so nobody's getting liberated. Nobody's getting liberated. Nobody's getting free. So what am I doing all that for if nobody's getting free? Because without the power of God, there's no liberation. Remember he told you, he was talking about the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit. I show you a more excellent way. Love is a key. Yes. Love is a key. You listening? Yes. Verse four, uh, 4. Watch this. No, love does what? Love suffers long and is kind. Does not envy. Does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in inequity. Verse 6. But it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Verse 8, love never fails. Bad translation, the word there is actually love never ends. Fail means it never has an end. Why? God doesn't have an end. God is love. Therefore, love will always be around, the God kind. Why? Because God will always be around. 
I said, God will always be around. How do you know it means that? Read the rest of the verse. Whether they're prophecies, they will fail. In other words, not like a prophecy won't come to pass. It means there's coming a time when we won't need prophecies anymore. You listening? Because notice what it goes on to say. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. You won't need the gift of tongues in heaven. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Why? Because you're going to know as you're known. You're still here. See, all that will end, but love will never come to an end because God will never come to an end. How many are glad about that? Verse 9, we know in part in this life and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be what? Done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, a mature believer, I put away what? Some Christians need to put away childish things. How do you put away childish things? How do you put away childish things? Think of a child. Think of a child. When, when a child's upset or happy or mad or, 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 you know, not liking what's going on, why are they upset? They're not getting what they want. Oh, what do they focus on? Themselves. You want to know what a lot of Christians still have a problem with? Why they're so mad and upset at the preacher? Why they're so mad and upset about the things of God in life? I'll tell you why. Because they're still focused on themselves and they're not getting what they want. I'm not happy. I almost stuck my thumb in my thumb. I thought, no, they're making fun of that. So I just kind of act like I would. See, there's a lot of, I'm going to tell you what, little Pastor Barclay quote. I know you love Pastor Barclay quotes. There's a lot of thumb-sucking Christians today. Why? They don't get their way. Things don't go the way they want. And because they don't want to look at God and do things God's way, they're missing out on a blast, man. They're missing out on a life to be lived like you could never imagine living. Can I get a better amen? Notice this, verse 12. Now we see in a mirror dimly this time of life. But then we're going to do what? We're going to see him face to face, man. Come on. Now I know in part, but then I shall what? I shall know just as I'm known. Verse 13, listen carefully. Now abide right now till you get there. Do you see him face to face? Come on. I said, come on. I want to wake everybody up today. Come on. Give me a good amen. Amen. Watch this. Now abide in what? Faith, hope, love. Notice this. Uh, uh, These three, but the greatest is what? Love. Why? Why is is, uh, love the greatest? I'll tell you why. Faith and hope are necessary to begin to get God working in your life. Faith literally believes in things hoped for. It becomes the substance of what you hope for. I can't have faith in something that I don't have a hope of. Hope is an expectation. When I find out God's will for my life, that he wants me to function the gifts, guess what I now do? I start expecting God will use me in that area. What does faith do? Faith goes beyond the expectation. It says, God, I'm ready. Use me. I trust you. I believe in you. I want to be used. I believe your promise. So faith takes hold of what you initially hoped for and says, I want that. I've got that. I'm going to do that in Jesus' name. But guess what? Without love, it doesn't work because faith works through love. Love's the channel flow. Years ago, I've told you this many, many times. I lived in Arizona. Think it's, you know, people, it was so funny, man, when I moved to Texas, like, you know, these 100 degree temperatures. You moved here from Arizona? Are you kidding? Why would you move here from Arizona? It's a dry heat there. I said, have you lived there? Nope. I said, that's why you're telling me that. When you cross 100 degrees, let me help you. It doesn't matter whether it's humid or not. I got a word for you. It's hot. Hot. And I'm going to tell you what, more so there than here with the so-called dry heat, People did it all the time, thought it was funny. You can crack an egg, drop it on the sidewalk. It don't take minutes. Uh-uh, it's seconds. That baby's boiling that quick, man. You drop a, in the middle of the day in Arizona, which I drove a cement mixer for three and a half years, so don't tell me about Arizona weather. I drove a cement mixer, had no air conditioner for three and a half years in Arizona. No air conditioner. Had a fan, we had this little metal fan on the dash. Little metal fan supposed to actually cool you down. Are you kidding me? When you cross 100, you turn that baby on, you know what it feels like? Somebody turn the heater on. It's blowing hot air at you. Anybody ever drive a truck before? Guess what you know about truck driving? Guess, what's that? Guess what? No air conditioning in that cab. Guess what? It's 15 to 20 degrees hotter in that cab than it is outside because of the heat coming off that engine. Especially the old trucks I drove. Are you listening? Well, let me help you. It's hot. But when I lived there, my dad had some property on the back of our uh, place where, we, where he lived. Uh, had some property with a little pasture. And you had to water that pasture to keep that grass growing for the animal, for the horses. 
And the way they watered it, they had a canal that came down the back of our property, went all down the back of all the people's properties. This big old canal down there, you had to order water. And you had to know the time in which you obviously ordered water because the water flowing through that thing all the time. And obviously before your water came, you would take this big diverter. You would go down to the end of your property. You would stick that diverter in there. And then you had these big open portals. You would open them up and then water would come and that actual diverter would stop the water from going downstream and it would run through those ports into your place to actually water your property. Well, guess what? You could have the water that was life-giving. Come on, you could have the water that's life-giving. You can't survive without water. You could have the water that's life-giving, but what if you didn't have the canal to get it there? No life. You've got faith. You have faith, the faith of God. You have the measure of God's faith put within you. But without love, you've got no way to get it to where it needs to go. Love is the canal. Love is the carrier. Love is what causes that power to go where it's supposed to go. Function the way it's supposed to function. You get out of love, you still have the life of God in you. You still have the power of God. You still have the gifts of God, but they have no way to get where they need to go. Why? You're not walking in love. That's why the greatest of these gifts is love. Now, here's the problem in the body of Christ. You ready for this? I want you to hold your place here, and I want you to turn to Philippians 1. The problem in the body of Christ is we don't understand love. We don't understand the love of God. I'm going to tell you what. You got people. I'm going to quote John Osteen, not Joel. His daddy, John, who was our pastor's pastor for years. You got John Osteen who said this for years, and it's the absolute truth. Christians always tend to go on one side of the ditch or the other on every subject. And so it is with love. You got people that aren't even coming close to walking in the love of God. Then you got other people doing stuff they're saying is the love of God that the Bible says is not love. And I'm going to show you a powerful set of verses you should never forget about walking in the love of God. From God's own mouth to the Philippians by the hand of Paul. And I want you to read it with me beginning in verse 9. Are you still here? Yes. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. If you're there, say amen. amen. And this I pray, Paul said to the Philippians, that your love may abound still more and more. I want to see more of the love of God abounding in your life. Underline this, please, in knowledge and all discernment. See, you are not walking in the true love of God without doing so by knowledge and all discernment. I'm going to explain this in detail in the next few, verse, in the next, uh, few services. He said that you should have God's love abounding more and more in how? In knowledge and discernment. Why? Ten, that you may approve the things that are what? Excellent. Because if you're not walking in discernment in love, you could be thinking you're walking in the love of God and you could be involved with things that God never told you to be involved with. You could be involved with people God never told you to be involved with. See, some people go to the extension of love thinking love just means we just treat everybody like, man, they're our best friend, da da da, da. We do we'll go where they want, do what they want, hang out with them, et cetera, et cetera. Just love on them. Even though they've stabbed us in the back 15 times, we just keep going and getting stabbed. That's not what the Bible teaches do you know that the Bible says in the book of Corinthians, 5th chapter, you ready for this? Literally, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, said, anybody who is a brother in the Lord claiming to be a Christian, if you look at the Greek, it says it this way, who sees nothing wrong with living in fornication, they're a believer, not a sinner. We're not talking about a baby Christian or somebody still bound with something they're trying to get free from. It's not what we're talking about. How I many know we are liberators even to believers? I'm so glad my pastor as an alcoholic got in a church that didn't cast him out and kept loving on him and got him free. But you know what my pastor knew going to that church? It ain't right to be an alcoholic. He wasn't saying, oh, it's no big deal. I'm born again. You can get drunk if you want. Who cares? I'm saved by grace. No, he knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong. So in Corinthians there in the fifth chapter, it's saying in verse 11 that if you know a brother in the Lord or a sister, a Christian who literally sees nothing wrong with living a life of fornication. You know what that means? You can have sex outside of marriage. It doesn't matter. Well, even Nicholas taught his followers that. Still here? Yes. Or they walk in a form of covetousness. Meaning what? They are more in love with the world than they are with God. They're coveting everything everybody else has. Or they're even an idolater. Well, that tells you a lot because an idolater means that they're making a God to fit them. You listening? There's talking about a believer here. Can I get a better amen? amen? 
This is talking about believers here. If you got a believer who says, well, listen, you can say that all day long that I'm supposed to go to church, I need to go to church, but my God won't make me go to church. Do you know what Corinthians told you to do? Don't have company with such a person. Don't keep company with them. Go read it yourself. Do not keep company with a believer who claims in the context of what the, the Greek says there, that fornication is no big deal. I can have sex with anybody I want anytime I want them saved by grace. I can covet anything I want because God made it all for me anyway to have. No, he didn't. He made it for us to enjoy, but you don't get it all. Idolatry, you keep making God to fit your life instead of the God of the Bible. He goes on to talk about a reviler, one who has no problem arguing back and fighting and causing dissension among other believers. He goes on and talks about not only that, but he also even talks about the fact that you shouldn't be a drunkard. Meaning that, again, it ain't, no, it ain't a big deal if I get drunk or not. Even Jesus drank wine. Who cares if I get drunk? It's no big deal. I'm saved by grace. Are you still here? See, he lists all these different things. He said, do not even keep company with. You know what love does? Obeys the word. If they're a believer and they say those things are okay, guess what I'm going to do? Distance myself. If I love God and obey the Bible, doesn't mean I don't love them. I don't go around telling everybody else what they do because now you're crossing the line. You're crossing the line. You're going to every other believer. I happen to know they're a drunkard. You're crossing the line. Let God deal with that. I said, let God deal with that. You're not supposed to deal with that. You're not their keeper. Come on, somebody. At the same time, if I too also know of other people that are being misled and deceived by somebody and what they're doing, I have a responsibility according to the Word of God to help them out. Because the Bible is clear. You and I know the Bible tells us this over and over and over again that even in Paul's writings, he talked about people who misled others and warned people about them. That's love, folks. Let me ask you a question. How many parents in here? Raise your hand if you're a parent. How many of you think it would be okay that you know somebody that could truly harm your child, your kids, even as an adult, a wrong influence around their life, but they want to hang out with them, so you just let them do that anyway, praise God, even though you know that they're not walking with God, even though you know they're a bad influence, you're going to allow it anyway because after all, you're going to walk in love. You don't want to offend them. Why would you not want them? Why would you not allow them to do that? Because I love them. Guess what a pastor has to do with his flock? Protect his flock the same way. If there's people intentionally trying to harm the flock, guess what he has to do? Warn you. We're not talking about personal sins. We're talking about an attack against the body. We don't get into personal sins. That's their issue between them and God. Love covers a multitude of sins. We're not pointing out their sins. We're pointing out the fault of their actions and ways that are trying to hurt other people. Can I get a better amen? You're not going to walk down the street knowing that obviously a thug's coming your way and you happen to know that that person just got out of prison. They're out to hurt somebody if you had some knowledge of that or whatever. You're not going to sit there and go buddy up with them and cuddle up next to them and say, let's become best buds. Not if their intention is to still harm other people. Not if you love and protect your family. How many gun owners? Raise your hand. Why do you own a gun? What, you just like to go shoot guns? Some do. You know why most own them? Protection. Well, if it's okay to do that to protect your family, it's not okay to protect your life spiritually. Yeah, it is. So see, a lot of people misunderstand love, and that's why he's saying, I want to see this love abound in you more and more, but I want to see it abound in you with knowledge of what love really is and discernment. Using discernment as to how you use this love in relationship to other people. Reading the Bible, folks. I'm reading the Bible. Verse 10, that you again may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without what? Without offense, without stumbling into sin yourself. Till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What Paul just said is, I want to see you bound in love, but you got to do it with the knowledge of what God's love is. And you got to walk in discernment, because if you don't, guess what? You can get caught up in the same lifestyle. I'll read it to you from Weiss translation which happens to be a very accurate context of the Greek, of a Greek scholar from uh, his writings. Verse 9, this is the constant purport of my definite petitions, namely, that you love. Listen, divine and self-sacrifice in its nature as ministered to you by the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about walking the love God gave you. But listen to this, yet more and more that you might even overflow, but at the same time be kept within the guiding limitations of an accurate knowledge of God's Word. 
Did you hear that? I want to see you overflow in God's love, but at the same time, I want, you, I want to see you do it within the guiding limitations of an accurate knowledge of God's Word. That's knowledge. You got to love according to the way God tells you love works. If you just go about the way you think love works, then you may not be truly walking in the love of God. That could be why you're not seeing the power of God work. You got to walk in the confines of what the Word of God says love is. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, and for the next multiple services, we're going to go through it in detail. Because a lot of Christians still don't know. And they need to be reminded anyway. Can I get a better amen? He goes on to say, you need to walk under the guiding limitations of this accurate knowledge of God, about his, about his love, gained by experience, and those guiding limitations of every kind of sensitive moral and ethical tact. Meaning that there are moral and ethical things God has told us in the Bible we can do and we can't do. And if there's people like Corinthians that says we're not to have company with, guess what you're going to do to walk in love? I'm not going to have company with them. Well, that's not very loving. Yes, it is. I love God above everybody else. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll abide by my commandments. There are scripture in the New Testament. We're not excluding. We're not trying to cut ourselves off. But there are scriptures in the New Testament for your protection and your family and those around you that you're warned to stay away from. You listening? The Bible even tells you, choose your friends who you hang out and spend company with carefully because even the wicked will lead you astray. Now listen, we always should as a believer, being doing, we should be friendly and be reaching out to sinners, no doubt. But I'm not going to go hang out and keep company with them. They want to come hang out in my house and not do what they do. Listening, they want to come do they want to do things according to the scripture, according to the ways of God, meaning that they're not going to come in my house and cuss and rant and rave and do all those kind of things. They want to come visit me, fine, but guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to do all your sinful things here. How many think we should just let sinners walk in the church, sit down and cuss the whole time and holler and scream and drink and get drunk and, and do all the things sinners do? Well, no, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to be equipped to go do the work of ministry. Right. Well, you're not very loving if you don't care about these. All oh, we very much care about them because we're trying to get you to go reach them. Come on, somebody. So he tells us clearly here that you and I are supposed to stay under what? We're supposed to stay under the guiding limitations of the accurate knowledge of what love is according to the word of God, doing so by every kind of sensitive, moral, and ethical tactic. That's the discernment. You need to discern. You need to make sure in your heart you're doing what God told you. Let me give you an example real quick. Let me try to help you with an example. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13. You're still with me, aren't you? Yes. Anybody excited about this? Yes. I'll tell you what. The, the other reason why love is the greatest of the three to live by is because it'll change your life more than anything else. Yes. It's the love of God. It's God himself. It's God himself. You're walking in God himself. When you walk in love, think about this. When I walk in agape love, the God kind, I'm walking in God himself. Amen. I'm walking with God. Yes. So let me give you an example of this fact that love needs to be understood according to the Bible. Now Jesus did, did say in the book of Matthew, he did say this. He said, you are asked of anything by anybody, give to them. But he also went on to talk about in borrowing, uh, you can actually uh, lend to those who have a need to borrow as well. So was Jesus saying, so everybody that comes up to me and asks for help, asks for money, I just give to them. Now remember, if you learn the Bible and you're a good student of the Bible, you're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth. So guess what that means? I can't take one verse in the context of the whole of the Bible on a subject without studying the whole Bible about that. And I'm going to tell you, I had an example of this in our church years ago. I had a person in our church years ago. It didn't matter where they were at, 7-Eleven, gas, didn't matter where they were, man. Had a, at a restaurant somewhere, eating, didn't matter where they were. Anybody needed money, needed help, asked them for help, man, they'd pour out their pocket, give them money. But guess what they couldn't do? Couldn't pay their bills. Bible says he who doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. You still here? So Jesus surely can't be saying, hey, just give whatever anybody asks you. Think about this. Don't you think the devil knows how to bring people across your path? <laughs> what are we supposed to walk in love with? Discernment. Say discernment. discernment. Do you know what 2 Thessalonians says? 2 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, if a man, chapter 3 says, if a man won't work, he won't eat. You know what that means? I'm not supposed to be given to somebody who can work. Let me put it another way, because I'm still looking at some cows, calves looking at like a Newgate expression. Let me put it another way, okay? 
If you knew somebody was addicted to cocaine and they come up and asked you for money so they could get more cocaine, you giving it to them? Why not? They're asking you. Jesus said to whoever asked you. They're not asking for cocaine. They're asking for money. See, we know he can't be saying when anybody ever asks you for money, just give it to them. Because if they're a cocaine addict and they're going to go buy cocaine with it and get high, guess what you just did? You just aided them in doing something that's harmful and detrimental to their life. You're empowering them to do it. What's the difference between that? The guy stands on a street corner who's able to work. As long as you'll work and give him money, why should he go to work? Love has to be done with knowledge within God's word and discernment. And I finally told this person one day, I said, let me try to help you. I'm so grateful you have a heart to give. Most don't. I'm so grateful you want to help people. Most don't. But you can't even pay your own bills. You're wrecking your marriage because of this. You're behind on every bill you own. Have all that you own. You can't get caught up. And I'll tell you what, how much do you give out in a week? We sat down and talked about it. You know, it was like several hundred bucks a week. I said, wouldn't that pay your bills? Yeah, then why are you giving it to everybody? Well, I don't know. I just want to help people. I said, Satan's taking advantage of, your, of, a, of a side of you that's good, but he's taking advantage of it. See, a lot of people just think Satan takes advantage of you through some kind of mean type of way of doing it. No, he knows even what your weaknesses are that could be in that sense of strength, but he's going to misuse it in a way that's going to be able to be interpreted to you as something good, but he's taking advantage of your life. All these lazy, right now in today's times, ladies and gentlemen, please don't tell me you can't get a job. Please don't tell me that. Please, please don't come and tell me that. I talked to, I talked to Dave from Ranchman's the other day. I pulled up at the stop sign. He was walking, hey Dave, how's it going since you reopened? Good, good, good. I said, so I saw you just open, you know, 11 to 4 now for lunch. He said, yeah, I still can't get enough workers. I can't get. I can't get. Well, I can't find a job. He can't get workers. Where are they? Where all these people say they can't find a job? He can't get workers. No, he just can't get people want to do that. He said, the ones I got don't even want to do it hardly halfway. This is what COVID taught our world today. Sit home in your PJs, baby. Just order what you want from, you know, from whoever's going to drive it to your house, whatever, you know, servant, Uber, whoever. And just go stand on the corner and let people give you money. And man, you can just hang out in your PJs all day long, play your games and sit on your computer. No. You don't need to work. And until they obviously did, you know, had money coming from the government, then you have to go stand on the corner. Right. Or try to find some other source of income for somebody to give you money because they feel sorry for you. We don't give money to people because we feel sorry for them. Oh, you didn't hear me. We don't give money because we feel sorry for them. You know we give people money? Because God told us to. If God wouldn't have told me to help that lady with that air conditioner, I'd have never gone and bought it. I just said, I'll pray about it. I'll look around. But the moment they spoke it to me in my heart, God said, get it for her. I said, yes, sir. I said, don't worry about it. We'll get it. We'll t- I'll, I'll take care of that. I'm not going to have her living in a trader house in this kind of heat, risking the possibility of death, who she's living off of Social Security. All she got in her air conditioner don't work. And God told me to buy her one. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? So you have to trust me to know I've heard from God. I'm going to go buy her one. Well, we did. We went and bought her. I don't do that for everybody. Not everybody calls their church I give money to. I get requests from people. Holy Spirit says, "Uh uh-uh. What do you got to use? What do you got to use? Discernment. Discernment. And so listen, ladies and gentlemen, love doesn't mean you just go walk out in this world and just do everything you think is good to help everybody around you. Because guess what? Satan has these people who will take advantage of your life as well. Guess what else he'll do? Listen, man, I heard this for years from people that I knew that got caught up in homosexual lifestyle. Well, the reason that I like them so much, you ready, is because even Christians don't love me as much as them. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a blatant lie. You've been deceived by the devil because I know Christians that love you actually as much, if not more than them, and probably more because they got the love of God in them. I'm not faulting them. I'm just telling you, you've been lied to. You've been deceived by the devil to think they love you more than Christians do. Well, I know Christians that just really never loved me. What would you grow up around? Christian, you didn't grow up around homosexual. Guess what? There's some of those that would treat you just as bad. I know some. The devil's not going to bring the meanies to you. Come on, somebody. He's not going to bring the mean homosexual. He's going to bring the sweet, nice, oh, we love you. I know nobody else, I know nobody else understands. Oh, I know. I've been there. I've, done, I've, I've learned about this stuff for years. I've known people that have been caught up in it. 
And I'm telling you, folks, it's a powerful deception. And all it is is them getting convinced that there's something that they're not. The reason that we're so messed up as a society today, guess who's to blame? You probably may not get this correct, but guess who's to blame? The church is to blame for what's going on in this earth today. Because if this world saw the God that you and I serve, they would know how much he loves them. They would know how much he loves them. They would run to him with open arms. He loves me that much? But the church isn't revealing the Father because they want to do their own thing. They don't want to get empowered by God and give up their time of their day and their life to serve Jesus and go out and do the works Jesus did. But if we do, just like Jesus, remember what Jesus said, how did people see the Father through Jesus? Through the works he did. John 14, I don't do the works, it's the Father in me. And the the few verses right above that, what did he say right above that? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, not because you've seen my face, because you've seen the works. You've seen the power, you've seen the glory. Therefore, you've seen my Father. He loves you that much. This world doesn't know. This world doesn't know this love because Christians are so consumed with themselves and their own agenda and their own life and what they've got to do to live. And you've never learned to find yourself in Christ and realize he'll take care of you. Go take care of his business. Go get busy for God and live a really, truly exciting life. Amen. First time I laid hands on somebody and saw them instantly healed, I never forgot it. I've laid hands on people and it doesn't always become instant healing. And weeks later, testimony comes. Man, did you know I'm free from that? Amen. Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So I'm already out of time this morning, but back to 1 Corinthians 13 for a minute. Can I help you still? Yes. So over here again, why am I in Acts 13? Acts 13 don't work. 1 Corinthians 13. Wow, you're kind of passionate about this, aren't you, Pastor? Yeah, I'm tired of seeing people bound. I'm tired of it. I want my whole church, not just me. Not just me, not just my family. I'm walking through this earth every day, man. I'm just watching. I'm just looking. Where are you at, Satan? Who are you working on? Who are you trying to keep bound? Because the minute I find you working somewhere, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. I'm going, to come, I'm going to come proclaim to them the truth. I'm going to tell them about my Jesus. I don't care if they want to hear it or not. If they don't, I'll just shake the dust off and move on. They want to stay bound by the devil. Their choice. They can live with the devil if they want. But guess what? There's a lot of people that don't. You know what the problem is? Nobody's told them how to get free. Nobody's told them there's a God that'll free them. Why? We're too focused on ourselves. Well, I just don't know how to do that. You don't know how to share your own testimony. How did you come to know Jesus? You got a story. Tell it. Come on, somebody. 1 Corinthians 13 again. So here's the context of what love is, and we're going to go over these in detail. I will give you a handout because when I get there, there's no way you'll keep up with all that I'm going to give you on my notes about these truths. We need to learn them. If verse 13 is true, and it is, the greatest of these is is love, guess what you need to learn like never before, verses 4 through 7. You need to understand everything there is about love. You want to know why? You want to know why? I'm not, I'm, I can't I don't even have time to go back to read the verses. Let me tell you why. What did it tell us again in 1 Corinthians 12.1? What did it say? Do not be ignorant about spiritual things. You know what most Christians are ignorant about? Love. You know what love is? It's a spiritual thing. Because love's God. God's a spirit. A lot of Christians are ignorant about spiritual things relating to and even including love. If you don't fully understand the God kind of love, the Bible kind of love, and what that looks like and how that's lived out, Guess what you are? You're ignorant. You're violating 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Do not be ignorant about spiritual things, including what? The better way, love. Because love is not a natural thing. Love is a spiritual thing. It's in you. It's already placed within your spirit, man. The love of God was shed abroad in your heart when you got born again. Well, I'm so glad, Pastor, you're going to address this because this person next to me really needs to learn how to walk in love. You're the one I'm going after, not the one next to you. You're the one I'm after. Because if you're already concerned about somebody else, guess what, I, guess what it tells me? You ain't going to walk in the love of God. Because it's all about you, baby. It's all about how you've been mistreated. Do you know you can walk in the love of God, be mistreated, not let it affect you? Jesus did it. I said Jesus did it. 
How many of you hung on the cross, nails in your hand, nails in your feet, looked down at the ones that driv- drove those nails and spikes in you and beat you with, ro- beat you with rods and, and put a crown of thorns on your head and looked down and say, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Come on, somebody. Love is the greatest way to live. Love is the greatest way to live. But the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God will not operate in your life without understanding. Listen to me. Without understanding what the Bible reveals about love, knowledge, and walking in discernment and using that love. You can't just say, I'm to love everybody. I'm going to quote Brother Hagin. You know, two people I thought about yesterday and today preparing for this message, especially this morning. Man, kept coming to my mind over and over and over and over and over again. You know, Dr. Lester Sumrall. He said, I just want to be known for one thing. I just want to be known as as a man of faith. Now, if you're known as a man of faith, guess what that means? You walked in love because your faith won't work without it. A lot of people think in the context of meeting a Dr. Sumrall, he didn't walk in love. He was a pretty harsh, mean man. They even said that about Brother Hagin. But the truth is, you you never got to know him, and you were looking at yourself, not him. Because my pastor said that man would cry at the drop of a hat to see somebody in a city in a city bound, not free, won't, won't receive the gospel, or somewhere that he couldn't get to where they needed help with food and stuff. He'd just cry, weep over that. God, you got to provide me a way to get that food there. i got to help those people. He was known as a great man of faith. You want to know why? Because he walked in love. Faith works through love. love. Brother Hagin's son had his uh, memorial service stood up, and he said, you know what? You all knew my dad is a great man of faith, and he was. But that's not how I knew him. He was a great man of love. Well, he proved it. Why? Because faith doesn't work without what? Love. So I was thinking about these two today. I thought about how many people I know, even our pastor talked about of ministers who thought or believers thought Summerall was a really harsh man. Let me help you. Somebody blunt, straightforward, telling you the truth doesn't mean they don't love you. Sometimes we don't got 30, 45 minutes to an hour to sit down and, you know, baby and t- pat you on the back to it's okay, honey. Just keep living the way you're living. When all of a sudden I got to get somewhere, I got somewhere to go on an assignment by God. I don't have a lot of time to mess with you. Come on, somebody. But I'll never forget this story. Pastor said, I'm a young pastor. I knew John Osteen, my spiritual dad. I'm at a meeting, at a camp meeting at a Rama, Brother Hagin's. And, of course, they have the green room, the area where all the ministers go before the service. Prepare, get ready. Brother Hagin himself had a handful of ministers that know him. And he said, John Osteen turns to me, my pastor, Pastor Osteen turns to me, he says, come on, Mark, we're going to the green room. Oh, no, no, Pastor, I'll sit here waiting for you. <laughs> I'm just a baby preacher. No, 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 you're coming with me. Okay, so he walks with him, goes in the room. He said, man, I found a corner to stand in, got out of the way. Everybody just watched. Just, I'm just a baby preacher, man. I'm just watching. I'm just watching. And here's Brother Hagin back there. From the time I got back there to the time we walked out that door, he didn't say hi to anybody. He didn't acknowledge anybody, even some of the senior ministers like John Osteen. He's walking back and forth from one side of that room to the other, just talking in the spirit. Talking, talking in the spirit, talking in the spirit. He turned around, he'd go back the other way. And he said, I saw it coming. Here comes this young minister in the room who all of a sudden starts approaching me. He thought, oh, no, man. <laughs> sure enough, man, this young minister comes up and says, oh, Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin. He just ignores him. Amen. Just walk right on. Turns around, comes back the other way. The second time by, the guy's a little confused. He's just standing there looking at him. He goes back to the other side, turns around, comes back the other way. Here he comes again. Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin. He didn't act like he wasn't even there. Just kept on going. And then they all started the service, said, time for us to go to the service. Brother Hagin started for the door and he turned and he said, Young man, did you want something? Well, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and love you and how great a ministry you are, what you've done to bless my life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me shorten this. Brother Hagin said, Son, let me teach you something. See, a lot of people would have said this isn't love. See, a lot of people say love would say, oh, well, thank you, son. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. God bless you. That's not what he said. He said, let me teach you something, son. He said, I want you to learn this and never forget it. He said, I'm talking to somebody much higher than you. And you want me to stop my conversation with him to recognize you. Get your eyes off of you, boy. And get your eyes on God and serve God. I appreciate that my ministry's helped you. But don't ever interrupt somebody when they're talking to God or even another minister, and he walked out the door. Now, a lot of people would have said that had been mean and hard. No, that's love telling that boy, listen, I'm trying to help you. 
You need to learn this because you focus on you. You just want to get my attention, make yourself feel good about obviously meeting Brother Hagin. I don't mind meeting you, but I'll tell you what, when I'm talking to God or somebody else, don't interrupt. You listening? Because guess what love is? Kind. Love is courteous. It's not rude. It's not unmannerly. Amen? Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.